Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Before we get into forgiveness, I think the only thing, like I love tools. Okay, we started Friday, Becca's like, let's build a deck. So we started building a deck. And instantly I'm like, oh, what tools do I need? Like, I love buying tools and I have a philosophy. Like, any job worth doing is worth buying a tool to do right. Like, you're like, yeah, this, this is how we're going to do it. However, the only thing better than having the right tool for the job is not even needing it. It's like when the two by fours of what you're building, like, they are the exact size that you need. It never happens and they're never all the same. But if it was two, it would just be perfect. It's like the dishwasher that actually washes the dishes so you don't need to rinse them because it does what it's supposed to do. It washes. Like it, it's all of that. And, and we're talking about forgiveness, but before we get into forgiveness, we're going to talk about not even needing to do that. But it seems like our world has gone in more and more snowflake, where everybody is offended by something. Like, they're, they're just offended. And it's like, well, what are you offended about? You want to talk to somebody, you know you can. All you have to do is ask, what are you offended about? And they'll be like, oh, what offends you? And they will just, they've got it. And you probably already know because they wear it like a badge of honor. It's like, this is what offends me. It's, it's, it's a very popular thing. It, it, I, don't, I don't understand it. But it's something that our world is running towards, which is being offended. I'm offended. I'm offended that you didn't notice that I'm offended. I'm offended that you're not upset at what I'm offended at, and now I'm offended. And I'm offended at the word that you used to describe me, and now I'm defended. We're offended at just about, and can be at just about, anything. And it's, it's spread really just too far, way too far. We play sports, and then... And, and, and little kids, just everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets one. Everybody wins. And you're like, if everybody wins, nobody wins. Do you understand that? Like, it means it's nothing. You can't all win. Let's be honest. One person, one team won. The other one lost. Like, that, that, that's what happened. They lost. Not that they're losers. They, they lost. And I guess if that's the action of losing, yes, they did that. But they could turn around and win the next time. That, that, that's just kind of how it works. I remember I ran a race once, and I got a participation trophy, like when I crossed the end, and I was like, what is this? And it's like, thanks, for And I'm like, what, what am I going to do with this? Like, what, what do I want to do with this? It just says that I did it. I'm like, I know that I did it. Like, I, I, no, I, I, I did not understand it. It's, it's weird what we, what we even reward. I was talking um, with a student a while back. And she was really hoping to get a, a scholarship. And I said, what's the scholarship? And she goes, it's a well-rounded scholarship. And I said, what is that? And she goes, well, it's for the students who, like, aren't really good at just math or aren't really good at, like, science. It's... And I looked at her, and without thinking, I go, like, I go, so what are you good at? <laughs> and she goes, um, it's, it's the well-rounded scholarship. <laughs> And I was like, oh my, now we give money for that. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and if we're not careful, we find ourselves just following and going along with the flow and going around um, and, and being and becoming 
easily offended, where we want to be affirmed in everything that we do. And we think that whatever I do should be affirmed. And you should tell me how great it is that I'm doing average, which is really what that scholarship was, was an average scholarship. And I guess you could get it, which if you can get a scholarship for something like that, great, like why not try? But who's paying it out? Who's like, I want to give money to average people. Yes, please come to my school. I do not understand that at all. But it's something that we can just go along with and suddenly catch ourselves just being offended. Um, and I, I think it's very, very easy. I remember it was, it was years ago, um, our oldest daughter is 12 now. And I think at the time she was just, just a little baby. So you can do the math if you've got that scholarship or not. I don't know. But uh, so I was, I was carrying our daughter just kind of, kind of like this. All right, so this is her, this is Avery, and this is her head just kind of doing the, de- just, and I was walking through the church hallway like this, and there's a few people in the hallway, kind of like the concourse, kind of like this, and there's a few people there, and, and I'm just walking through, and all of a sudden, boom, there's this guy right in front of me, and like way too intense, way too intense. He's looking at Avery, and I'm just like, what are you doing? And he just, he's like, you need to be so careful when you hold babies. He's like, you just, you, are you holding her leg? He's like, you need to hold her leg. And it, but he's just so much more intense than I can even be right now. And he's just going, like about, you hold her leg, and then the baby's going to fall off if you don't hold the leg, and, and they, they try to kill themselves, and they're suicidal, which if you're a parent, you know. Like, you hold a kid, and they want down. They don't, like, try to climb down. They throw their whole body weight whatever direction they want. They're like, I want to go this way. Like, you're going to... Yes, they are definitely suicidal. And then you try to put them to sleep, and they act like you're going to kill them. Like, oh, no, I don't want to go this Yes, those are kids. But I'm holding the baby, and he just goes, he goes crazy. Like, you have to hold the leg. That way, if the baby does, like, throw itself or whatever, he's like, you won't drop the baby. And then... He's gone. Like it was a drive-by. He just went in and then he's gone. <laughs> and I'm standing there and my first reaction, of course, like all of you was, why thank you for telling me and thank you for your intensity level which helped to stress to me the importance of holding my baby's leg while walking through. No. That was not what it was at all. My, my first reaction was simmer down, buddy. Like, whoa. Whoa. Like what was that all about? Well, I took a couple steps and I was like, you know what? It probably is a good idea to hold on to the baby's leg. And then I was like, you know, maybe he was dropped as a child. <laughs> hold on. Not like, not like, not that way that you're thinking, but like, maybe that's why he's passionate about it is because <laughs> I think you know what I meant to say when I said what I said. Which was like, or maybe it was like somebody that, one of his kids or a cousin or something that, that was accidentally dropped. And, and so that's why he was so passionate about it. And he saw, not that, cut it out, Tom. <laughs> oh my goodness. Not in the bad way. Although, it, anyways, you're offended. <laughs> we'll get to that in the message. Don't worry. Don't worry. That wasn't my first reaction. It's not. It is so easy to take offense at even simple things that people say. It is so, so, so easy. And honestly, I always carried all of our kids. We've got five. And all of them, whenever I carry them that way, I do, actually, I hold on to their leg because this intense guy. And I don't know. Perhaps God used him to avoid something with baby, you know, kid number four or five. I don't know. 
But it did. It was something that definitely jumped out and stuck out to me. Again, drive-by, high intensity. But we will always have an opportunity to be offended. Luke 17 verse 1 says this. Jesus is talking, and he says to his disciples, he says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. We are going to have opportunity to be offended. Like, it is going to happen. Whether you have thick skin, thin skin, no skin, like, there will be opportunity you to be offended. And what we're talking about this morning, though, is really what's going to happen after that opportunity shows up? Like, what are you going to do next? Because offenses are going to come. You're going to have an opportunity to be offended because of something that somebody does at work, something that somebody doesn't do at home, whatever it is. They're going to come. What are you going to do when that opportunity comes? And I want to start in 1 Samuel 16. And we're going to look at David. Because I think he had an amazing opportunity to be offended. See, in 1 Samuel, we have King, well, actually, we have Samuel talking. And I just like this book of the Bible. I don't know why. But the Lord's talking to Samuel. And at this time, the nation of Israel had a king, their first king, King Saul. But he hadn't been following God. He hadn't obeyed God. And so God's like, I'm rejecting you as king, and we're going to find a new one. And Samuel was the prophet, and really, he was the one who spoke for God to the entire nation of Israel. And, and, and the Lord says to Samuel in verse 1, he says, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? He says, Fill your horn with oil, and go, I will send you to Jesse, to the house of, Bethlehem, of the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So, Samuel does this. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. God's like, hey, this is what you do. Go do it. So he goes, he gets there, and he invites Jesse. Now, it doesn't say this, but we know. God just told him, I provided a king among Jesse's sons. I'm sure he was like, hey, Jesse, come to, this, come to the festival, come to the sacrifice, and bring your kids. I want to meet all your kids. So then what happens is this. They're there, and it's festival time, and it's, it's all good, and, and Jesse comes, and he's like, hey, introduce me to your kids, and so the first one comes by, and Samuel's like, okay, God, is this the one? And God says, nope, and then the next one comes by. He's like, well, this is a good-looking one. It's probably this one, and God's like, nope, and another, and another, and another, until finally, they've all gone through, and Samuel's like, Jesse, do you have any other kids? Jesse's like, well, yeah, there's the youngest, but he's out with the sheep. I didn't even bring him. Like, we just, we just, we just, left, every, we just left him. And so Samuel's like, what? No. And this, is what, this is what Samuel says. He goes, we're not even going to eat. I don't know what that means in your family, but that means a lot to me. Like, we're not even going to eat until he gets here. It's like, well, but look, like, it's getting cold. Like, and the food is there, and everything is ready, and we're all, like, at the table, hats off, like, ready to pray, like, and eat, and and usually, Samuel, you pray a long time, and so we should probably start now, but he's like, no, we're not doing anything until he gets here. But imagine you were David, and that's who they're waiting for, Jesse's youngest son, David. You knew exactly what was going on. Everybody else is at this. It's the biggest thing in town, and you're the one that's forgotten. 
Now, we don't know exactly. Was he forgotten? I don't think so. I think he was intentionally left out. Because dad knows right where he is. He wasn't like, oh, I don't know where he's at. That one, he's always running around. We've got one of those. His name is Bo and he's three. You never know where he is. You're like, he's right there. Where'd he go? And he's gone. And he's actually up there hanging from the ceiling. Like, how do you do that so fast? We've got one. But that wasn't Jesse. Jesse's like, I know exactly where he is. He's with the sheep. It wasn't an unintentional. It's, hey, you're the one. You don't really matter. This isn't the biggest deal. You have to stay with the sheep. Talk about an opportunity to get offended. Word finally does come, whether it was one of his brothers, I don't know, who comes out to get, to, comes out to get him. What if David would have been like, well, I'm not going. It doesn't matter to me. You left me out here in the first place. No. What would have happened? What ended up happening is he went. And in the presence of his whole family, he ends up being anointed king. He doesn't become king for many, 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 many years. But it happens right then. And God moves in his life starting then in an amazing way. What if he'd gotten offended? I think offenses can really just jump up. We get upset about something, and they stop us from so, so many things. But offenses are going to come. But David chose not to be offended, which I think is so much better. Forgiveness is an amazing tool. But David chose not to be offended. And we actually find him, if we look a little bit later, in 1 Samuel 16. David is going out and he's delivering food to his brothers. And I don't know about you, but I think this would be kind of hard. I mean, imagine this. Imagine you were left out, right? We already just talked about how he was the one that was like, hey, just stay out with the sheep. And then you come and the prophet Samuel anoints you with oil and says, you're going to be the next king in front of the whole town and your whole family. That's kind of a big deal. And then Samuel leaves. And you go back to the sheep. He goes back to doing what he was doing before. I would be like, well, if I know the king, like, come on, buddy, let's go. Like, take me, let's do the king thing. Where's the throne, the crown, scepter, like all of this, let's do this. No, he goes back to doing what he was doing. I think sometimes... We think, well, it didn't work here, God. You know, I prayed this, this happened, and and I don't see things moving the way that I think they should. Well, that's where David finds himself. He's back to doing the things he was before, and now he's going to take food to his brothers who are in the army. And the Israelite army is facing the Philistines. And so he brings the food out there, and he gets there, and maybe you're familiar with the story, but there's a giant by the name of Goliath who's standing out there. And instead of both armies coming and fighting and who knows how many casualties going on, they said, hey, here's how we'll settle this whole thing. You send your champion to fight our champion. Whoever wins that wins the whole war. We don't even need to fight. That's actually how they did it. So Goliath is out there, and David hears this challenge. He says, send out someone to fight. David hears, and so he starts asking around. He's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the person who kills this guy? And his older brother hears this, and this is what it says in verse 28. Leave it to an older brother to say something like this. He says, what are you doing here anyway, is what he says to David. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? He says, I know the pride and deceit. And then he says, you just want to see the battle. He's like, what are you doing here? But I love David's response to this. David's response was, as he turns away, 
and goes and asks somebody else the exact same question. He doesn't get offended. I mean, he could have been like, I'm a little snowflake and like, I got to go off and cry. And then my brother told me and he doesn't know and I was anointed king and I'm back doing the thing that I was doing. My brothers don't appreciate it. They don't see in me what, where Samuel and Samuel left me and he's not with me anymore. <laughs> he could have done all of that. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. And, but here's the thing. You and I, we look at this stuff and I think it's so easy to see from the outside like, of course, don't. There's good things around the corner. Like, yeah, God's going to use you. Just wait. It's so easy to be on the outside and look and be like, well, that's just not right. They shouldn't get it. It's not that big of a deal. But when it's you, when it's you, oh, when your parents get it wrong and you're grounded and you're like, I shouldn't be. They missed it. Oh, I remember I went through a season where my parents like could not get it right. Like, I got grounded for all kinds of things I shouldn't have, like, nothing. Like, absolutely, okay, it was kind of something, but really it was nothing. It was nothing. Somebody told my dad that I was, um, I don't know what she said, but I was goofing off in the back of church during church. And I, and I wasn't, but then she asked, she says, what's your name? And I said, my name's Justin. Well, it is. It's Samuel Justin. Okay, so, but I wasn't really, what she said wasn't true, but I said my name was Justin, and I got grounded for like, for years from that. Okay, not quite years, but it was a really long, really long time, and it was just part of a downhill slope for my parents, like radar. It was just off. I remember I got in so, so much trouble, and I didn't deserve it. I didn't do whatever this crazy lady said that I would, I did. She was, she was a crazy church lady. Every church has one. One of you are it, Okay. <laughs> Every church has one. If you're like, no, we don't, then it's probably you. No. They're just there. I have no idea what she said, but I got in way, way, way too much trouble. But they completely missed it. And parents are going to do that. We're definitely going to do that. And we can choose to be offended at it. And be like, well, this isn't right. And I was, or this teacher, and this happened over here, and I shouldn't have done that. It could be the coworker that takes credit for what you do. You can get so offended. You're like, I'm not working with them anymore, and I'm not going to do this. And it could be the spouse that's not doing their part. And 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 really, by the way, we got. I think one of the greatest pieces of premarital advice that we ever got was this. He said, 50-50 marriages don't work." He goes, "If you're sitting there going, well, I did my part, and that's your turn, and I did the forks last time, and you this, and it's your turn to do the dishes, and I did the tread, and why didn't this, and this is my half, and this," he goes, "He goes, fifty-fifty is a recipe for disaster." He goes, "This is what it is. Marriage is one hundred percent and one hundred percent. You do, you give it your all. It doesn't matter what the other person does. You sit there trying to wait for the other person. Well, this is theirs. Well, I'm not doing it. I did it last time, and the time before that, and the time before that. It's their turn to say they're sorry." <laughs> It does not work. But there's always an opportunity to get offended. It's what are we going to do after that? What are we going to do? There will, you, will, you will get overlooked. Your opinion won't be valued. Your idea, your project, the thing that you put all that work in won't make it out of your office. It won't, you'll do all of this. It'll just get shut down. I mean, tech guys, they, they get this all the time. We don't even know that they exist until something goes wrong. And it's like, what is going, this isn't working right. And why isn't this? And we all look forward and then my mic beats back and everybody turns around at Gregory and it's like, what is he doing? Then you get seen. 
It's only when things go wrong, and why is that the only time that people say anything? There will always be opportunity to get offended. But what's important is what we do when that opportunity comes. And Jesus says it. He says, it is impossible that offenses won't come. So how do we handle it when they do come? I think a big key to that is found right here in Proverbs 19, 11. And this is what it says. A person's wisdom yields patience. And it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. To one's glory to overlook an offense. Now this has, this has a ton to me. Because if I'm told that it is to one's glory to overlook an offense, guess what? That means we can. We don't have to be offended. He says it is to one's glory to overlook it. And here's the deal. If God tells us to do it, he'll help us. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I know that we can overlook an offense. It is a choice. A wise man once said, offenses are never given. They can only be taken. Offenses, it's what they are. And I think the number one thing, I would say the number one thing that helps us to not get offended when people's opinions and things and thoughts come through and hurts and stuff come at us, I think the number one tool that we have to not get offended is to know who we are in Christ. It's who we are in Christ. People are going to think something. That person you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, you're, they're not there anymore. And this happened and the things that they said, and you, were, you, had, you had your life planned out with them, and this was over here, and this was what's going to happen, and all of a sudden, the number one thing, no matter how real or, no, or just how painful it is to you, the number one thing that we need is to know who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. Second Corinthians, uh, let's go Colossians 2.10, says this, so I am complete through my union with Christ. You are complete through your union with Christ. And I know that some of that stuff, it, it hurts and it just sticks with you. It's amazing. Remember in fourth grade, I was in the slow class. Absolutely. Uh, I was definitely in the slow class. But they didn't call it the slow class. But for part of the day, uh, me and a couple of the other kids, all boys, had to go to this other room. And I did not like being there at all. And I was talking with the teacher, and I don't remember exactly what I said to her. But I remember very specifically, she looked at me and she said, you're here because you're stupid. And I just remember that. And apparently some of you guys, that means a little something too. I remember that. I was in fourth grade and my teacher told me I was just stupid. Now, a couple weeks ago, no, about a week and a half ago, I ran into that teacher's daughter who looks a lot like her. And I was like, I know who you are. Like those feelings like come back up. And this girl has no idea, probably, her mom was probably the most wonderful person in the whole, well, couldn't be because she said that to me, but any close. But those things can stick with us, and it doesn't matter what they have said. They so can, but the number one way that we fight that, no matter who said it, whether it's a husband, a spouse, a mom, a dad, somebody who should never have said something like that, but here's the things with words, is after you say them, you can't take them back. You ever said something that as the words are coming out, you're like, you're trying to get them back because you're like, I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. 
I think most of us have. But the number one place that we are going to find refuge needs to be in God. You're complete through your union with Christ. Let me tell you, I love Becca and her opinion matters more to me than all of yours. I'll just tell you that right now. Like, that's what matters. However, more than what she thinks and the place that I go to find strength is not in her opinion of me. It needs to be in God. And the way that we know that is by knowing what God's Word says. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. We need to know what those are. We need to know what God's word says. And so here's what we have. We have, this is a small little book, it's called Who I Am in Christ. And I say book, but really what it is, is it's a book with what the Bible says we are in Christ. And it's just the scriptures. It's a little blurb of the scripture that tells you where you are, where it is found. It says, in him I have been enriched in every way, 1 Corinthians 1.15. And so here's what we do is we have a bunch of these out at the, um, the guest services table right out here. They're free. You've already paid for them. You guys are generous. Thank you. So you've already paid for them. You bought them. Please take one. Your kids want one? Give them to them. Um, take it, highlight it. I had one of these when I was probably, when I was little. It was red back then and it had gold writing. This is better. But anyways, um, it's a great, great, great resource to go to. And I think every kid should have one. I love the Bible. But to be able to look and to go and say, well, who does God say that I am? But it's wonderful for adults too. To get in here and like, this is what it says, is I'm a child of God, Romans 8, 16. And to see who we are. Because the way that we, the only weapon that we have to fight the devil is God's word. That is how we fight the devil. When he comes at us with the thoughts of you're no good and you're not this and you'll never amount to anything, no. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that God has for me. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. That's what I'm going to live out. That's how we fight those feelings of whatever it is, of I don't belong and I'm not good enough and suicide. Say, no, this is what God has for me. It's going to be good. He's going to use me. And God's word says that he works all things for the good of those that love and serve him when we surrender it to him. That's Romans 8, 28. And there's so many things that we can get offended about. But when offense comes, we have three options. Two good ones. But when offense comes, we have three options. So let's get to these. Number one, when offense comes, is we can choose to get offended. We can get mad and we can get upset about it. Number two is we can choose to overlook it. We can choose to overlook it. What that person says, what we heard them say about us to somebody else, and they're out saying whatever they're saying. We can say, you know what? I'm going to choose to just let it go. And remember, what Susie says about Sally says more about Susie than it does Sally. Like, them saying what they want, that's its own thing. So we can choose to let it go. And the other one is number three, is we can go to the person. And we can try to work it out with them. But as I was putting this together, as I was, as I was writing this message and putting this together, and I was putting together these, these three little options here, I realized that I wasn't doing that. 
I was like, if I say this, I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not. Because there's a, a relationship that isn't what it used to be. And Beck and I were talking about it and like, okay, well, what would it take? And, and do you think this relationship is ever going to come back? And, and um, as I was reading through this, I'm like, I'm holding on to something. And I need to do one, two, or three. And here's the thing. If you're not doing number two or three, you're automatically doing number one, which is getting offended. So the options are we either choose to let it go or we go to that person and try to deal with it. And in some situations, that's good. We do need to go to that person. But typically, number two is the way to go. But I had to stop. As I was doing this, I'm like, I did not, I, I am not doing this right. So I stopped writing my message for a bit, and I'm like, okay, what, what do I want to do? And at first, I really wanted to do number three, because I'm like, I need to go talk to this person and tell them how, oh, no, 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 that is what I should do, so they can straighten, I need to straighten them out. Somebody needs to, and I'm just the person to do it. Like, okay. And, uh, but the more I was praying about it, I'm like, you know what? No. I'm like, God, you can deal with them. And, and I need to do number two. But we decide when offenses come, we have to make those decisions. Are we going to choose to be offended? And here's the thing. It does not have to be something that happens to you today. Like, okay, this is great. I'll start doing this from now on. We can apply this. You can ask God and he'll speak to you like he did me. Of, hey, this is something that you need to decide what you, how, how you're going to deal with it. But you're holding on to it. But you're holding on to it. And here's the thing. I did that this week. I didn't call them. I didn't call this, these guys. I didn't say anything to them. But in my heart, I took care of it. And I'm like, I'm going to choose to just let this go. I can. And I know what it is. I know what it is to let something go. You choose to let it go now. And when it comes back up later, you let it go again. And like you might see them or their daughter that looks like them. And those feelings might come back. But you're like, no. Like, it's, it's okay. I'm, no, I'm not going to act on those. I think an amazing way that we have to do that, to get rid of that when they're coming back, those feelings are coming back, and we'll talk more about this next week, is we pray for that person. Just right there in that moment. Say, okay, I'm going to pray good things for them. We break that thing. We can break free from things that way. But I made that decision. Didn't tell that person. By the end of the week, by the end of the week, that relationship was different. It was different and moving in a much healthier, better direction. On the outside, no one would look and say, they changed anything. But I think spiritually, I was holding on to a, a hurt, an offense. I didn't even realize it. And I, until it was like, you know, I'm, I cannot get up and say this because I am not doing that. It's something that we can apply in retrospect. We can look and say, okay, God, what do I need to do? What can I change? I want to be and do all that you have for me, and I, need, I want to let go of the things that are in the way, that are poisoning me, that are getting in my way. It doesn't just have to be something that we say, suddenly, I'm going to start to do today. And that's number two. And then number three is we go to that person and we talk to them. And, and really, this works especially with other healthy people. Um, sometimes it doesn't work. I like what it says in Proverbs 26.4. It says, Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. 
I like that. But then it says this in verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I don't know if you caught that there, but it says opposite and overlapping, contracting things. And basically it says this, if you talk to a fool, it's not going to turn out well. You can talk to a fool according to his folly, and he's going to think he's wise. Don't talk to him, and now you're a fool too. It's, it's, a, it's a lose-lose situation, and we need to be sensitive to those, where we look and we say, okay, what needs to happen here? Is this a relationship where I can talk to this person as an adult or, or, or not? And are they going to be able to, to have this conversation and we can move beyond it? What would be the best thing to do in this so that we can decide, okay, God, I want to walk in all that you have for me. Because here's what unforgiveness, here's what happens when we hold on to offense. When we hold on to offenses and unforgiveness, it's like us drinking poison and expecting somebody else to get sick. It rips at us. It really does. And what we don't want is offenses to grow into things that they should not be, and that's what they do. But also don't let a root of bitterness get in your life. It's like something that grows. But here's the amazing thing is God does. He will speak to us and he'll show us the things like, hey, this, is, this needs to get out. This needs, you want to move? God wants a relationship with us more than we want it with him. So often we think, God, God, we're waiting for you. And he's like, no, I'm waiting on you. He says, I am here. I've never left. He says, I stand at the door and I am knocking. He says, I am there. We think we've run away and God's like, I am there with you. But even better than forgiveness, even better than that amazing tool that we have is not getting offended in the first place, knowing who we are in Christ, standing in that, standing firm in our identity in Him so that we can be and do all that God has for us. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.